Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind to both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner. And BizSimply is the all-in-one HR, workforce management, road and operations software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry to find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. Everyone is going to be a tech company. I think irrespective of what domain or what industry you are in, I think, uh, you know, being a tech first company, is not an option. I mean, you can be a trucking company and you may still need to be tech first. Uh, it won't work without that. This is Ashish Tulsain, co-founder and CEO of Posit, a restaurant tech solution that helps more than 10,000 restaurants across the world to automate operation, improve guest and employee experience, as well on turning on additional revenue stream. And in this conversation, we'll meet a tech entrepreneur who's also running a restaurant. He kickstarted his entrepreneurial journey in 2007 by founding a telecoms company right out of college. We discuss the level of tech adoption within restaurants on a global scale and how well digital tools have been implemented and what the main barriers to success are. Ashish shares his valuable learnings of getting tech right and how to use the challenges of the pandemic to achieve a competitive edge through better digitalization for your employees and customers. He also shares his prediction for the industry going forward and where he sees the big opportunities in the midst of the pandemic. Before you tune in, please sign up for a weekly newsletter packed with more Maverick insights, strategies and tools. Find the links in the show notes or visit hospitalitymavericks.com. Lots of great entrepreneurial advice in this conversation on how you navigate a business in uncertain times. Enjoy. Welcome to today's conversation where we're going to be talking about, you know, what are the uh, key, we're probably going to talk about both of them, but I believe, and I said it before here on the show, that I like two things that drives hospitality right now. It's people and tech. They are key ingredients for a successful business in the future. And you need to get those two elements right. And you need actually to make these two things work. And uh, often we talk about digital transformation here on the podcast and how we're going to make that happen. And we have guests from uh, the UK and the US, predominantly, or sometimes Australia. But this time, actually, uh, we have a guest from India. And it's going to be so interesting to, to meet uh, Ashish uh, today, who is not just uh, a restaurateur by heart. He's also created a technology company because he couldn't find the right solution. So we're going to come back to that in a second. And also get actually a bit of a look into what's going on in India when it comes to digital adaption in restaurants, but maybe also what's going on in the restaurant market over there and what has the pandemic done to hold that whole market. And then they also are selling across the globe. So they are, he also will have insights about what's going on in other markets. So with that said, welcome to the show, Ashish. It's a great honor to have you here. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for the opportunity. Really excited. Could you give a bit of an intro to to yourself and your background? Already alert to you have a restaurant background or you are an operator before you became a, a technology company. Could you tell us a bit about that journey and what made you think we need to go and build technology instead of running restaurants? Sure, sure. I think, uh, you know, my journey into the restaurant, as I call it, I'm an accidental restaurateur, but I'm a, you know, well thought out technologist. So I was running a telecom uh, solutions company and I thought that uh, uh, restaurant, opening a restaurant will be a very, very cool idea, right? Most of the people think that restaurants are the easiest to uh, run, open and operate. And I think uh, uh, it's a honeypot, right? It, it just attracts you and you feel that it must be easy. I think uh, I must confess it's, it's one of the toughest businesses I've ever seen on the ground. And I've done a like I've done a couple, I've, I've dabbled with a couple, I've invested in a couple, 
and I can tell you that restaurant is like probably the toughest. So all the respect for all all the restaurateurs out there. Um, so well, uh, you know, we invested in a restaurant just like that, and and we thought that we hired a consultant. That consultant helped us, you know, do the entire thing. The restaurant was up and running. We were merely investors, but this was a decision which was made more, you know, out of passion and enthusiasm, and not really a very it was not really a very financially thought out, smart, you know, decision. So you know, we were in the we were on the you know thin line where are we operators or are we investors, right? So we were like we our love for it, you know, by heart we wanted to operate, and you know, uh, logically we were just investors. So so we kind of started helping in the restaurant, and kind of spending time, you know, especially in the evenings once we were done with our you know tech uh, and uh, our, our telecom company and. Uh, and boom! I think in in month one, we realized, wow, this is this is this is crazy. This is crazy on every level, uh, you know, from operating hours to managing staff uh, of all types and you know categories, you know, right from your you know people who are doing you know uh, you know uh, stuff like you know from your dishwasher to you know probably your helpers to your chefs to you know to uh, all kinds of people they have they had different temperaments and then and then you you know talk about vendors and the quality of raw material and having that consistency and and you know and then customers customers was a revelation you know how how finicky all of us as customers are for the restaurants and how difficult you know it is to deal with from the other side whoa that hit us like a rock uh, because we could clearly see that hey for example, one of the challenges which really, you know, was was I was taken aback was, uh, you know, once we changed our sous chef and 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 you know he, you know, he prepared a dish which was actually better than what he used to do before, and a customer came to us and you know we told him that hey, I mean he complained that this is not this is not exactly what I expected, and we told him that is it something wrong with it? So no, but it's not the same that I had it I had last week. Said oh this is better, and the guy said. I don't come here for better. I come here for same. Uh, so you better get me the same. And I was like, whoa, you know what? This, this, he's right. And, and that's exactly, you know, that's a challenge. So I think, I think multiple challenges. And and I think first three months we were in sort of bad shape uh, with respect to our understanding and management of operations. And we we're like, you know what? Uh, we should shut this down or maybe sell this off. This is not, this is not something that we can run for the next couple of decades or or we, you know, can survive in. We are tech people probably uh, we should go back to what we do best but you know in, in this in these three months we also learned you know while dealing with it, right we learned the ropes of the trade we we you know of course fell a lot but then but then you know got back up so uh, you know there came a day where we endorsed it and we said hey you know i think we have passed most of the problems we have maneuvered most of them and we are still learning this was exhilarating it was it was difficult but it was exciting uh, and as soon as we embraced, you know, that challenge, uh, our tech instincts kicked back, and we said, "Hey, you know what? We need to, we need to fix that tech in the restaurant." I think a lot of those challenges can be just, you know, uh, met, and then they can be closed uh, with that. And we started finding tech in the market. We started looking for point of sale system, back end material management system, because we could clearly see that over the counter theft to back of the kitchen wastage, pilferage. Uh, you know, variability in your consumption at the end of the month. We could clearly see that there were a lot of holes in your pocket being burnt, which are not visible, which which you don't like. At the end of the month, you feel, you know, my margin is still less, but my theoretical margin is, you know, way higher. And uh, we started plugging that and, and we couldn't find any solution in the market. So, you know, we kind of had to build technology for the restaurant. So we pulled out, you know, a few people from our telecom company and said, hey, you know what, we, we have this restaurant, let's just solve some problems there. Let's create a small piece of tech for it. And uh, then you go back to telecom. And I think we never looked back because those two people continue to stay with us today. Uh, you know, one of them is our CTO. And, uh, you know, those guys never got a chance to get back to telecom because I think after month one, two, three, we started enjoying that process. Our restaurant got an order. But at the same time, we realized how powerful that was right? because, uh, uh, you know, I mean, we, we ran the restaurant for 22 months from that, right? So, so restaurant which we were ready to shut down in three months, ran for 22, and uh, you know, we ended up 
you know, starting a restaurant tech company. And that was also very evolutionary because, you know, other restaurant owners who were like, you know, in the same area, they started taking notice and, you know, they started coming back to us asking that, hey, can we have the same tech? Because, because this is, this is, I'm talking about 2011. Right? So, uh, uh, you know, in those days, a lot of standalone restaurants, single restaurant, we were a small casual dine, fast casual restaurant. Uh, you know, those restaurants never used to have fancy tech. Uh, those restaurants were mostly run by operators themselves and and you know so so the, so the, so we became a subject of envy for other responders around and and they were like hey these guys run some tech which looks like mcdonald's sort uh, they don't come to their restaurant very often they see everything remotely they control everything remotely right so word went around and a lot of restaurants started coming back to us saying hey can we have the same tech so it was i mean in a way building a restaurant tech company was also very you know accidental evolutionary but by the time we started enjoying that process and i think you know i think what stays till today it's been a decade what what stays as a strength even till today is the fact that we're not mere technologists who try to understand you know how the restaurant works and build tech for them uh, i think our empathy for restaurant here is automatically so high that when we went out in the, out in the market and we started building products and features and and then we are always talking about ROI on that feature, right? I have this grouse with, with technology people, right? So they, they sell their technology and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm talking about almost everyone, not even in our industry, but in general, right? Every, every technologist, uh, you know, they sell technology as if the technology is going to do everything for you, right? But I think, I think given that we, we faced heat on the restaurant floor firsthand, we were not arrogant about it. We, we, we had very high empathy for the restaurant and we knew that, you know what, a lot has to be in order and technology is only going to enable you. It is going to accelerate the good pieces. It's also going to accelerate the bad pieces, by the way, but, but it is mere an accelerator. It's, you know, you need to have your house in order and there's a lot that a restaurant will have to do even after adopting a tech. So, you know, we were, we, we started in, we started on 1st of February, uh, 2012. So tomorrow we are completing ten years. Wow! Congratulations. That's uh, just being a, just being in business for ten years, and then also supplying the hospitality sector, which has gone through quite a, a last two years as well. It, it would be interesting to hear what uh, what have kept you going. Then what has like been the purpose besides you know you can see there's a lots of problems to solve. And back in two thousand and ten, you know. The level of digitalization, we can go into that as well. We're a different level than we are today in general society. But what what is really that drives you to keep on going on that journey where to fix problems with restaurants? That's a great question, actually. I think I think the whole dynamism in the restaurant space, I think no two years restaurant industry has looked the same if you think about it. Uh, you know, from the formats shifting, moving, changing you know, to, to, you know, different kind of cuisines coming in, different kind of business models coming in, you know, uh, uh, and it's also, a restaurant is also a locally challenged entity, right? So you, you cannot have a, you, you cannot have homogeneity, uh, you know, across the globe. Uh, the same restaurant, you know, may look, operate and feel very different in some other part of the world, right? So, you know, as, as we kept going deeper in it, Every layer, you know, that we that we crossed, and there was a whole new jungle available for us to figure out. Right? I was like, oh wow! I mean, this is absolutely unlike the previous one. So I think I think it's again, it's very intuitive. Uh, it has been very intuitive and and evolutionary for us that almost every year, you know, the more challenges we ended up solving, uh, the more we discovered, and 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 most of them, you know, in the face of you know, different languages, different business models, right? For example, I tell you, uh, you know, I remember between 2012, 13, and 14, we amassed some 750 restaurant customers and uh, we were doing well. I mean, you know, at least we, we were like, we were post proof of concept, right? Market was, you know, uh, uh, acknowledging us as a valid player. Uh, but then, uh, you know, our ambition grew and we said, hey, uh, you know, from standalones and onesies, twosies, can we can we go to large chains? And for you know, for that time, our definition of large chain was ten to twenty-five stores. So uh, when we discussed it with a ten-store person for the first time, 
you know, they gave us some hundred features that they may even want to start. I mean, they may need to even start with us. And that blew us away because, because we were like, we thought that in the last three years we have built enough. And, uh, and then we started discussing what kind of challenges are there, what is it that we are solving, but probably will need to be solved very differently for somebody who's not sitting at the restaurant full time, who's not an operator of a single standalone, or who's not totally a family run you know, business. Then that ambition grew further and we said, hey, can we go to like a 100 store to a 500 store? Chain? As soon as that happened, that rocked our world again, right? So now the challenge of 100 to 500 store chain was very, very different. And as soon as we crossed country, when we went out, out of India, uh, you know, we, we looked at Singapore, we looked at Middle East, uh, UAE, Dubai, uh, and then we went to Latin America, US, and UK. And I think, I, I think it's, so today we work with 10,000 restaurants in 52 countries. And Michael, I can, I can still confess that almost every other day we discover something that wasn't visible yet. So, you know, so, so it, it just confuses uh, you that, okay, it's been 10 years. We are eating, breathing, living restaurant industry. Uh, every time we feel that you cannot tell me something that surprises me, uh, you know, somebody comes and, you know, proves me wrong. So, and, and, and I think last two years, of course, that's another story. I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that, right? But, but I, think, uh, I, I think challenges are up to the Plus, I'm a fan of focus. Uh, we also realized early on that, this problem is deep. If we have to really solve for restaurants, we cannot be just a boss company, uh, you know, doing restaurants also. We have to be, we have to be a tech company that is only solving for restaurants and, and, and go really, really deep in that. So we took that opportunity and, 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 and continue to run with that. We don't do anything except F&B uh, and restaurants. And it's so interesting. You've been on this journey for, for 10 years and I alluded to it before as well. Like it was the, at that time, digitalization in restaurant was just something maybe you talked at McDonald's. I can remember it was early days. We looked at inter McDonald's, both internal and the customer experience, how we could use technology to do the heavy lifting in the restaurant. But where do you see like, if you just like, you know, I know the pandemic really have pushed the roadmap forward in digitalization when it comes to the restaurant. But where do you see, you come from a telecoms background. So where else hospitality compared to other industries they should be compared themselves? Are they uh, up close to them or are they way behind when it comes to adaption of technology? I'm not thinking about just buying technology. When I talk about adaption, it's using it with the right purpose and actually it makes business sense. Honestly, I think uh, hospitality, uh, you know, as a whole has been, uh, you know, quite behind, uh, you know, with respect to, you know, when you compare it to other industries. And I think, uh, I, I think the closest, uh, what is always, what used to baffle me uh, early on was that the closest cousin to restaurant space, uh, you know, is retail. And, and, I think, uh, and I think retail has been far ahead in technology adoption than restaurants, at least in the, in the timeline, except last two years, right? So as I said, that's another story. But, but I think retail has been way, way ahead in adoption of technology. Uh, you know, both from the timing perspective as well as the width and the depth of adoption. Uh, restaurants, uh, you know, remained really behind because I think, uh, one, I think restaurateurs had higher margins. I mean, this is my hypothesis. This is my theory that, that a restaurant always had, you know, high margins. Um, you know, the raw material consumption was, you know, in the moment it was, it was you know, the, your expense on raw material was also very consumption oriented consumption based you're not supposed to you know use your working capital in stocking you know too much you could you could stock for a day or a week at max and um, and your customers were captive and you know your your entire show was really dependent on people right so for you the most important person was let's say your chef or the next important person was your gm or your manager or or your or your waiting staff right but for retail, probably the stakes went high a long back. Retail was operating on a five to ten percent margin. Uh, they used to have a higher cost of working capital in the stock in the showroom and the go downs. Uh, you know, they they were looking for people to come back because the use case of most of the retail is not really a daily use case or a weekly use case, right? So if you're if you're selling consumer electronics, probably you will see face of a customer once a year, maybe. 
uh, and you want them to keep coming back to you, you know, probably year on year, right? So you're, you, the way you are compounding the longevity of your customer is also in years and, and probably a decade plus, while a restaurant is a little short-sighted or can be, can enjoy to be a little short-sighted and where they say, hey, if I work out for three years, I'll be, I'll be fine, right? So, so yeah, technology hit restaurants, I think the last. Are we then, you said the last two years are different. Are we now catching up with the, the other industries as you see it? From, from where you sit? I think, I think from my perspective, in the last two years, we are going ahead. Yeah, I think pandemic, uh, you know, just uh, accelerated so many trends which were latent for last couple of years already. And I, and I you know, I'll, I'll actually go back to, this is my perspective, I'll go back to the margin theory. Uh, you know, it's not only pandemic that, you know, forced restaurants to adopt technology. Um, if you think about it in the last few years, thanks to, you know, aggregators, Uber Eats, Deliveroo, Postmates in US, Zomato in India, and so on. While they have increased the business, the margins have gone down for the restaurant because now they have a commission, right? Logistics has logistics cost has gone up because delivery has gone up, right? So a restaurant who used to enjoy, let's say, a gross margin of 80% or, or 65% and a net margin of somewhere in the vicinity of 20 to you know 15 to 20% is now down to five theoretically and practically you know it can be negative for 70 80 percent of the business right so i believe that that has also resulted it's not only covid it's not only covid and people sitting at home it's also the fact that okay when margins go lower and the volumes go up uh, you can't you can't deal without tech uh, you have to have you know a process which which runs faster because now the only way to make money is to probably forex your volumes and 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 then probably then then you can think of making money if your volume is same then you know there are so many partners in your margin now in the entire ecosystem that there's no way you can make money yeah and i guess also if you look at your pnl you know um, you have to look at the bottom line and before you come to the bottom line if you only have five percent margin it's not much that can go wrong on these different lines up there and especially the people factor, which could be a, a huge one right now, or logistics costs where they can just move a little bit. And that, in a way, in the end of the year, if you don't know those numbers, how they're going to impact the end of the year, and actually you should have made a choice yesterday about the future of your business because you will not be in business next year then because you don't see the compound effect of these things in the same way. And that's where technology really can help you see through, you know, because you don't, you don't have that much leeway anymore because you're suddenly you're competing like retail on very small margins and speed, I guess as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, also, I mean, if you, if you put it, uh, you know, from the bottom line perspective, right. I will actually generalize this by saying restaurants historically were not really bottom line sensitive. They were top line sensitive. They, they wanted to just, you know, grow the business because, you know, everything else would be taken care of. Uh, but if you think, uh, if you see historically, the only businesses that have really scaled profitably are the ones who are bottom line centric. So McDonald's, McDonald's, and then we are coming back to that, you know, the, the brand again and again. Uh, I think McDonald's was always bottom line centric. That is exactly why they could get the cheapest burger in the world, right? And McDonald's burger remains cheap in literally every currency. Uh, I have never seen a costly McDonald's burger in any country, right? They, they remain the, you know, reference line to the, the cheapest burger. Now, they are able to do it because they were always bottom line, you know, conscious. So, uh, so I, I think in a way, it is a great thing as well. Yeah, and I guess also it's going from that uh, saying there is as well in restaurant that, you know, you know, I can remember as well, we just have to improve sales and rest, the rest will solve itself, you know, grow sales and the rest will solve itself in the PL. But I've, I've learned very early on, as you probably remember, I have a background from McDonald's that sales are vanity, profit is sanity and cash is reality. Because if you don't have money in your account, then you're out of business. Yep, 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 absolutely. And, and I think I think every, every, some of these chains have taken over the world for, you know, for good. And I think uh, in pandemic and post-pandemic, I would say, uh, you know, uh, increase your sales and everything else will be taken care of is not true anymore. In fact, in fact, today, uh, the way the pie, the structure of margins in a, in a, in a, in a restaurant, the way it has changed the, 
you know, the share of pie, the way it has changed. I think if you grow your sales without taking care of your bottom line, I think the growth in sales can kill you. That can, you know, that can just take away even that last bit of margin that you have. And an interesting thing, you know, in a in a post-pandemic world as well, is that exactly some operators I talk with, you know, mid-size or small operators actually found out less opening days are better business. So actually before you always say, increase your opening hours and opening days to boost your sales and your PL. But exactly the other way around is finding out when it's the most profitable to operate. And they've been forced because, you know, staffing. And then they've been forced to go in and look in there stats and start analyzing what's going on here where where can we act where's the most you know relevant time to get open one one operator i talked with was a coffee uh, shop and they had one specific site where they worked with the staff to find out which days to be open actually funny enough they thought the weekend saturday we cannot have closed that it's a bad bad for business and they found out that was the most profitable decision they ever made um so they increased their sales with over the five days, because the employees only had to work those five days and didn't have to stretch themselves, their sales increased with 30%. It's incredible. No, absolutely. I think one more one more trend that I've seen is that, I think I'll say that again, pandemic has just accelerated these trends. These trends were already there in 2017, 18, 19. Uh, you know, pandemic just, you know, put a rocket behind all of them and, and you know, everything, everything just went. Uh, Another thing that I've seen is that it's not only the operating hours. Operating hours point is great, right, for the restaurant. I've also seen it in the menu. You know, how how people were not really looking at their menu, uh, you know, to redo their menu, let's say, to take some items out and maybe with aggregators, if you think about, if you see, your habit has changed. Now you're not trying to order everything from the same restaurant. Now you're saying, hey, I'm not only going to order this piece from you because you do, do this great. The other part, I'm gonna order from the next restaurant because they are really, really good at it, right? So now, I, you know, the way I say it is that it used to be, uh, you know, earlier it used to be a cuisine-based, you know, search uh, in life, like not in the digital space, right? People used to say, "Hey, I'm gonna eat Chinese today," and and then they they used to look at the restaurant. Now it, it became brand. People said, "Hey, I'm gonna eat at this restaurant. I'm gonna eat at BF Chats." Uh, and then they, they used to have the entire fair there. Now people are saying, oh, I want to have dim sums or I want to have a sushi, right? And everything has come down to, you know, items, the dishes. Uh, they're not talking about cuisines. They're not talking about brand. They're not talking about geography, where you are lo- located. And that's where, you know, cloud kitchens are born. Because if you are only going to look for the dish and you're not going to care about anything else, then I might better be available in your area. Otherwise, I'm out of business. And it's super interesting. And it made made me to to think about like a bronze concept where I recently went to get up our wife. And we went there because they just do one thing well. That's bronze. And they cook the town's best bronze. And they open open from nine to three every day. And that's it. And they do it so well. They have a very profitable business, I know. And they're focusing on that. And that's it. You know, they don't try to do other things. You know, you, you can't get other things there. There's like, I think there's seven or eight items on that menu together with the kids menu. That's it. And I think that's where we're going to go a lot. And you will see a lot of successful operators that comes out of this, especially independent say, we do one thing well. Like we do these six pizzas really well. We don't have 20. We do these six really well. And, and, and see, this was always ex- existed, right? A, a Domino's never did burgers. A McDonald's never did pizzas. Uh, you know, Subway did not do you know each both of them. So it always existed. I think this this wisdom was always there. Some people had it. Uh, you know, pandemic world just accelerated. Right? It just democratized you know uh, access in the hands of people who could clearly see the writing on the wall and they could they could feel that hey, you know, it's it's only one dish. Uh, and I'm sorry, if I do it well, you don't need to go anywhere. Uh, my favorite example is Five Guys. They only do burger and, and they do one burger, right? Like it's, it's, it's phenomenal, right? You go in and, you know, you don't need to, uh, you know, you don't need to worry about anything else. The simplest menu ever. Yeah. And I guess, again, they also have the personalization element, which really make them a strong contender as well uh, from premiumization kind of point of view. 
Um, but coming back to like, we talk a bit about, you know, the, we touched a bit on it, like, you know, technology and digital transformation. How have you seen that impact both the employee and customer journey? Because you said it was extremely complex to run a restaurant and very difficult in the beginning when you started out being involved in your own restaurant. But how can technology impact, you know, both the employees and customers uh, experience positively in your view? You know, let, let me abstract technology into, you know, what it should deliver, right? Uh, I think the number one, uh, you know, deliverable any tech in an, in an operations-heavy environment like a restaurant is visibility and restriction, right? So what is it that you can do? What is it that you cannot do if it is governed by the system? Uh, you know, you get massive predictability you know, in, in, in what is going to happen, what is not going to happen. Um, you know, similarly, you know, on the other side, for, for the customer journey, I think that consistency of experience, you know, what I, what I said about my own restaurant, people don't want to be served better. They don't want to be treated better. They want to be treated the same, you know, because they are coming back now. They, you know, they, that's a repeat customer. So they liked, uh, you know, what they felt last time. So you just please make sure that it is absolutely consistent. There's no good or bad. Don't, don't change. I think the way tech has evolved or tech has started helping, uh, you know, in mostly these two areas where, where you want predictability, you want consistency. And whenever people buy tech, our customers or anybody else, I always ask them that what part, you know, are you missing right now? What is it that you're trying to solve, uh, you know, for your restaurant? I mean, if you, if you let's say we, we sell part of sales solution as the, as the minimum, the smallest piece, right? Now, a point of sale system is just a utility product. It's a calculator, uh, you know, for your bill. Uh, I'm sure a lot of products can do that. But for a restauranteur, that, that bigger ROI or the deliverable has to be in either of the things, either your consistency of operations or, you know, predictability, uh, you know, in outcomes. I feel that one, that's one part. Second is that customer journey, I think, has just changed over time, right? If you, if you think about it, Today, brands are struggling with how to make sure that customer experience is, you know, conserved. Because today, no matter what brand, customer is ordering on delivery, right? So the ordering experience is actually your menu experience. See, when a customer is inside your restaurant, you have a lot of control over the environment, right? You can ask the right questions, you know, you can decode the menu for them. You can, you know, certain options can, you know, surface even in the conversation. Uh, you know exactly how they feel in that ambiance. Uh, you know what you do when they're ordering on an app. You can't control any of it, right? You cannot, you cannot, you know, put those uh, food scents, food sprays to entice their, you know, senses to order, you know, something sweet or order something savory, right? You can't do all of that. So I think. I think the customer journey is also about that now. The first window of your brand experience is your menu. And that menu, how it appears on a third-party app, right? And, and today, I think technology is aiding that, or either we should aid that. This is something that we, you know, we also you know, work on a lot, wherein I believe that your menu today is your restaurant. Your, wherever that menu will appear, your restaurant is open. Uh, you know, it can be digital, it can be physical, it doesn't matter. So, so technology has a lot to do with that piece, you know, going right, because I'm sure you might have experienced, Michael, that, you know, for the same restaurant brand, what was your favorite one that you were ordering from, you found their menu restrictive on some app and a little more versatile on the other app. And that other app became the choice, you know, for you because certain options were not available. Has it happened with you? Yeah, yeah, and uh, I know it well from uh, shopping retail as well. Um, uh, there may be some place I would love to shop, but the barrier for making it easy for me is a bit of a challenge. Maybe I need to log in, whatever it is, you know. Uh, uh, and I think, you know, one of the best examples there is, is uh, Amazon, how they have cracked that one swipe click, you know, and then you bought in a way. And I think you have to think like that when any business you run, how can I actually move them over the, 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 the pain threshold? How make it easy for people to engage with me? I mean, who, who would have thought that Michelin stars will start delivery? 
I mean, uh, you know, who, who would have thought, right? I mean, point is, my point is that this business opportunity existed before as well. Uh, you know, it, it's sad that it took a pandemic for us to, you know, figure that out. But but these business opportunities were always available, right? Uh, now the way world is working on packaging, uh, you know, suddenly everybody is ordering, you know, out. Everybody is ordering for delivery. Why? Uh, of course, pandemic has something to do with it. You know, we were restricted. But the point is that as soon as everything opens, I mean, if you go out and see in the market, delivery business is still sustaining well. Delivery business has not gone down. Uh, you know, you can see it from the stocks of all the listed aggregators. Uh, you know, they're, they're doing fairly well. So I think I think this is a large part of it. I'm just drawing from the customer experience. That if, if the customer did not have a very big reason to come to your restaurant or or if you were not really giving them an experience which was very, very, you know, on your premises based, there is a very high chance that they're going to eat order out, right? They'll say, hey, I'm going to sit at the comfort of my, you know, home or office or, or somewhere and, and I have the same food. And, and that's very important. Yeah. And I guess, again, it comes down to time as well. Like, I guess, like, you know, how can you help people optimize time and to also understand what your product is? Is it like an experience or is it like, you know, more in the transaction level and, and it's okay to focus on one or the other, but you can't be both. You can't, can't to do both. What has been like, you know, implementing technology because we talked about it before the, the conversation as well. Like, as you say as well, uh, technology is an enabler, but it's not going to enable before you really activate in the right way. There's a lot of great tech out there, but if you don't, go into it with the right mindset and so on. But what are the like the uh, the key barriers you see when people start to implement tech in restaurant and can't make it work? Well, I, I think uh, number one impediment to, uh, you know, lack of adoption is uh, training their people, you know, in tech. I think, I think restaurant industry feeling that we are non-tech industry and we are trying to do, use tech or it is okay if we say, hey, we struggle with tech. No, it's not okay. Uh, you know, everything is tech now. I think, uh, you know, you, you need to learn that and you need to also inculcate, you know, that in your team, that, that we need to be technology first, uh, you know, and not technology second, because, uh, you know, it, it, it's not an option. I think our experience given in last 10 years, uh, Michael, I can tell you that it's a lot easier now. I mean, we started back when, we were trying to convince people to use tech. I mean, it was not really the adoption problem. We were barely trying to, you know, make a case for them that, hey, you know what, this is even needed. Um, and then training their staff, training training them on how to use it, how to, you know, how to, uh, uh, you know, use it for speed, how to make sure that, uh, you know, you're able to do some basic troubleshooting at the peak hours. Uh, and then, you know, for us, I think the, the biggest learning curve or the steepest learning curve came from, uh, you know, implementing it, you know, remotely. Uh, you know, as, as, I mean, we recently uh, implemented a, a large 400 store chain in Saudi Arabia. And, uh, you know, given pandemic, we did not have team on the ground. And uh, we trained 5,000 plus people on our product all remotely in a span of three months. Now, now that was, you know, we could actually accomplish that because, you know, as an enterprise, they embraced that this needs to be done, right? So we went through like a prep period of, you know, a month, a month and a half, where made sure that all the teams are absolutely on board, you know, with the idea. But, but, but if, you, you know, if I'm getting your question right, you know, in case I'm answering it, you know, right, I think I would like to point out that Adopting technology without having a clear understanding of what ROI do you get out of it? What is that deliverable that this needs to bring in? And is it is that delivery deliverable clear to your entire team? I think I think the single, if I can abstract you know everything, I will say that our best projects which delivered value for our customers as well as for us were the ones where it did not come from people who were tech savvy or non tech. It came from the people who were on board with the ROI they are chasing, and their team was very well communicated with what is it that they want to accomplish. And everybody came in with the intent 
and learned it. It's it's not rocket science. And it's quite interesting as well because I've been asked uh, how McDonald's was so su- successful with digital transformation early on. And uh, of course, there was an element of choosing some tech. There's no doubt about that, you know, scrutinizing that, assessing all that. But that was the easy bit. The real difficult bit was the change bit, where actually the amount of resources that was put in to train people in the new way of operating the stores or using technology. And even after that heavy investment, it's still not 100% right. There was a lot of coming back, a lot of iterative process here before it really was ready to scale. And there were years of work in the background nobody had seen. Uh, and then it was right. And then it went global very fast. And then thereby, then McDonald's probably more, no, some people say they are more like you, maybe a tech company than a restaurant company. And that's an interesting comparison. But they're definitely leading edge on how to use technology. And especially in these times, of, we can see them and Chipotle, maybe, if you take the big players and Sweetgreen, really are moving the needle when it comes to you know, quick service restaurants. So I agree totally with you. Everyone is going to be a tech company. I think, as I said, it's not optional anymore. Uh, that's why I'm saying that in traditional sectors, not in the, not only in hospitality and restaurants. I think I, you know, I say this often that uh, that irrespective of what domain or what industry you are in, I think uh, I, I think you know, being a tech first company, it's not optional. I mean, you can be a trucking company. And you may still need to be tech first. Uh, it won't work without that. Yeah, and that's so so interesting. Uh, when it comes to the, my next question, I was thinking about you know like so where are we going? You know where where's the restaurant industry going? If we just stay at digitalization, how it's going to look in three years' time with the speed we are running in right now? My perspective is that uh, not much is going to change and i'm making a very counterintuitive point here or maybe intuitive i don't know i'll I'll, I'll discover from you but um, you know my view is that you know the acceleration in these trends where consumer is becoming hedonistic consumer is not captive anymore right and 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 be a you know just be with me on that point you know Earlier, you were deciding a lot for the consumer, right? You were deciding about geography. You were deciding how they're going to sit. You were deciding what are they going to order, how the you know upsell is going to happen. Today, customer is designing literally everything. Part of it is digital. Part of it is you know just you know geographical spread due to cloud kitchens. But now, I think future of restaurants is not completely digital. Future of restaurants is going to be as much dine-in as it is going to be takeout or delivery. But you will have to work hard. Restaurants will have to work hard to give people reasons to come in, to actually walk into the store, right? There, there has to be, you know, a, you know, something much better than the food. There has to be a whole experience which is better, just better there, uh, while having the minimum viable, decent experience, you know, for the takeout or delivery, it's not optional. So, you know, my belief is that what's actually happening is that a lot of democratization is happening. Incumbents are incumbents used to you know stay uh, because they used to own the real estate. You know you you have the best location in the town. You're going to be eternal, not anymore. Who is going to have the best location on the digital app is going to win. And that location on digital app, it's dynamic. It's dynamic by cuisine. It's dynamic by time of the day. It's dynamic by the area you are searching in, it is dynamic by who's spending more money uh, for eyeballs and so on. I think, I think this democratization is gonna, is, has already placed and is going to place this power to build brands from nothing in a very short span of time. It's also going to you know, put power in the hands of people, regular people. You know, so many chefs have turned restaurateurs. I think, I think probably in the last two years, the amount of chefs who have gone out and really started their own brands, it's not even funny. And, and, and not only in one area, not only in the UK, you know, whatever I'm saying, I'm, you know, speaking on behalf of at least 35, 40 countries that we actively track. And, 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 and that, that democratization is, I think, is going to keep everybody not only on toes. I think across each 
format across each type of business, across each cuisine or dish, I think we are just getting pushed to do better. So I feel the restaurant industry, the future is actually brighter. The volumes are going to be much bigger. Formats of all types and kinds will stay. You know, nobody is going anywhere. Just that it's going to become extremely difficult to make sensible return from each format if you're not going narrow in your specialization. Yeah, so it's back to that thing. Do one thing well. Um, and, and, and and as you said, said in the beginning, like, you know, you're focusing on, you focused on restaurants, that's your thing. And then, you know, you, if you're focusing on burgers, you do burgers really well, or your pizza, you do pizza. With. And, and keep your bottom line in check. I think bottom line is going to be the holy grail of, of the restaurant space. And even though we said before that was the case, I've seen so many times where I come in and say, as you said, the people thing is actually okay and could always be better, but actually really the commercial skills around marketing and the bottom line, it will have been dropping out. Like It took me a long time in my career to really understand you know, the power of the P&L. I, I was trained in it, but I really didn't understand the dynamics of a P&L and how it worked really to, I had, we had responsibility for four restaurants because that was what I was measured on from there on. Not how well sales was going, but how well the bottom line of those four restaurants were doing. Uh, and that was Steve learning curve, um, even though I thought I knew what a PL was. So I think again, you know, understanding how a PL works it doesn't mean you need to cut costs. It actually means you how do you innovate within those lines in the PL, as you say as well. Um, what about you know, use you are you're based in India, you're a global business now, but is there anything when you like go into the different markets, the US, UK, Singapore? Middle East, are like you think we could learn from from India. Anything that's like sharing some like top trends that's going on within digitalization in the restaurant environment. You're thinking, well, that's like you know, that's that's something to look out out for. I think I think uh, one thing which is which which really surprised me honestly is that uh, you know uh, in India historically, I mean, I grew up here, and and we used to believe that Western markets uh, were always ahead of us in in a lot of you know, a lot of uh, things, including technology. I think if I look at it today, uh, you know, I can tell you that that Indian restaurant space is way, way ahead, you know, in tech adoption. It just baffles me, right? It makes me really happy as well because, you know, in last 10 years, I can tell you that, you know, our, our every year, every passing year, I think life became easier for us because what we were trying to actually sell to people, you know, before 2015, I think after 2015 or 16, we saw that people were buying from us more proactively than we could sell. Uh, people were writing, you know, inquiries to us that I need this, I need to automate that. So I think I think the top trend that I've seen, which a country's infrastructure build, you know, allows is I think India really improved on three core aspects. One, uh, payments. I think India has gone so digital on payments that I can tell you, Michael, I have not used a currency note in almost, uh, you know, three months. Uh, you know, I can I can get by the entire country without using that and without having a credit card or a debit card, right? I can go completely on mobile. I can, you know, there are digital wallets which, you know, work on like a text message. And you can transfer any amount of money to anyone in a fraction of seconds. It gets settled immediately. Right? All the payments have gone digital, right? So that is that is one trend which led to a lot of ripple effects. Second is that our logistics improved massively, right? So right now in India, no matter what city you are in, to send, you know, to do a local delivery, like a like a hyperlocal delivery, you have five options. You, you don't need to worry about that. There are enough people on the ground who are going to do that work for you. And, you know, whether you're, you know, selling a dollar worth or a, or a pound worth of stuff to, you know, to thousands, uh, you know, it's it's really, really uh, easy. So, and, and then on top of it, uh, these two trends, you know, took e-commerce up. So as e-commerce, you know, went up uh, and, and the smartphone revolution, I think, Android has done a great job by putting, you know, a smartphone in every hand, literally across the world, no matter what geography, iPhones were always there, but then 
you know, the way Android, you know, penetrated to the bottom of the pyramid, it's, it's phenomenal, right? So for me, these three trends, everybody having a smartphone, you know, digitization of currency and logistics availability, these three factors just took restaurants, you know, and retail up. Now, from the technology adoption perspective, the ripple effect that, that you know, the way it all culminated for the restaurant is that now they need to receive the order from an from a smartphone. They need to inform the customer and the logistics person that this order is going to go and they need to take the payment. And all of this needs reconciliation at the end of the day. If you, if you, if you can't reconcile it, it won't work for you. So for restaurants in India, it became like a, like a no-brainer that I need a tech which allows me, you know, to do all of it at one place when, you know, I can't really go and bang my head with every, every other partner. Uh, so that's, that's for India. I would say that, uh, you know, most of the countries are still, you know, kind of, I, I can clearly see that this, this digitization of currency is, is probably one of the direct, uh, you know, has a direct impact on, you know, how fast, you know, things work. I mean, I can talk about, for example, Latin America. Latin America is right now, you know, lagging behind in technology adoption, not because people there don't want it. In fact, demand is really, really high. They're lagging behind because most of the Latin American countries still haven't really figured the payment piece out. The security on payment, the, the, the still credit card theft and frauds, and, you know, they have not really implemented a couple of things which, which can make digital transaction, you know, I mean, super safe. And, and they're paying the price for that. But but everybody will get there. Like probably next, in, in a year or two, almost everybody will get there because they can clearly see that that's the biggest impediment. Um, in US and UK markets, uh, surprisingly, I feel even now at times that there's a lot of resistance and complacency to adoption of technology. It really baffles me, honestly, because, uh, you, know, uh, you know, we wonder that why. Uh, but But I still feel that we see that in, in some parts of US, we see that in UK. Uh, at the same time, it's, it's getting better, right? So, so the demand is growing every day, the kind of inquiries that we have, the kind of conversations we have with our prospective customers, the phenomenon, like whoever is, you know, understanding that they need like a full wholesome tech, you know, to digitize each part of their operations, they're really, you know, getting there. But then people who are still at, on the fence, you know, or, or maybe because of complacency or maybe because of, you know, they have some notions that still need to be broken for tech. I think it's still there. These markets are, are lagging, if not fully lagging, but they were lagging there. Yeah, that, that's super interesting that, you know, uh, there's some, I, you know, like I was, you know, surprised about that you can go everywhere without a credit card and pay wherever because, you know, because we, we all have a perception of that maybe India would be behind on the, the digital infrastructure but actually it's ahead it's really super interesting and and i agree that the payment you know is what unleash everything because that's you know you want that transaction to go faster and more smooth as we just talked about the amazon before you know the the swipe and then i'm there and i don't have to think about it or maybe i can make a subscription that you know every month i'm gonna get this water filter i want or whatever it is um and again it's the smooth of doing business with you it's ease of doing business i think that's the right word said Taking the conversation here in the end over to maybe more about you as well, because you've been, you know, running a business through the pandemic the last two years. What have been your like, you know, your life and leadership lessons in all this, you know, and, and we we hope we are coming out. Let's let's be careful what we, we're saying. But yeah, it looks like we're on the end of it. I really hope so. I, I'm with you on that. I think uh, I think for, for us, uh, it has been turbulent uh, because we serve the industry which 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 is which is turbulent at front forefront of it. Um, it. It continues to be turbulent. I think we have our own sinusoidal curves. Every time a new variant or a new wave comes, you know, we kind of go back to zero for for that period. I, I think we are coming out of one right now, the Omicron Omicron one, as we are speaking. Uh, I think for me, you know, the number one leadership lesson, or rather a business lesson, I would say, is that. I think pandemic uh, helped us understand our relevance in the world. Uh, you know, at the first, at the at the onset of the first wave, at the onset of pandemic, I think everybody's business came down to zero, and you know, so many companies, so many businesses were like almost, you know, running out. They were like they they feared shutting down, and I think 
if I look back, the only thing that kept us alive were these two statements. You know, I've, I you know, talked about these two things with my team, with myself. I was also reassuring myself that, that you know, restaurant industry is not shutting down, number one. Number two, we are important if restaurant industry is going to stay, right? We have some value in their life, right? And if, if these two statements are true, um, then we'll survive. It's okay. I mean, it's, we, we're going to take a hit for some time, but, but we're going to jump back and probably jump back stronger. So, so that's one. I think I think it uh, it taught us that, or, or I mean, for my for me, the lesson is that no matter what product or service you are doing, no matter what business you are in, you have to be relevant to your customer's life. If you are not relevant to your customer's life, it won't take a pandemic, you know, uh, uh, you know, to put you out of business. It can be like any any global event, any local event, and you'll be you'll be out. Second, I felt is that, uh, uh, you know, second lesson is that the future is not going to get created like out of nowhere. If you want to predict future, you just need to closely observe what did we do yesterday and what is it that we are doing today? Because both these things are going to compound into tomorrow. And, and future is just like a 10x projection of you know what happened and what are you doing today so so almost every time there's, there's no event in this world i mean of course covid will will keep it aside but there's no you know transformation in any business including restaurant space you can think of wherein you were like oh wow where did it come from no it was always there it, it was there it was you know that trend was small right you felt it was a spike it wasn't it was always there uh, you just ignored it. You did not see it. It did not surface for you. Whatever, but but it was always there. So so second lesson was that 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 you know whatever we did as a company to survive through COVID with our customers, uh, honestly were things that either we were already doing, or our customers were asking for it, or we were doing them not so well, and then we started doing them better, or the products that we thought that were features or were something that we need to give to customers, we created full modules out of it, right? Because we suddenly realized that, oh, you know what? That's not the side thing. That's the main business. Uh, Cloud Kitchen is like one of the examples. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, I mean, we were, we were talking about Cloud Kitchens from 2018. I mean, from our vantage point, because we have like this global lens available with us, uh, you know, we see a lot of trends very early. And in 2018 and 19, we were debating, we were building a product, we were building like wearons and features in our post for cloud kitchens. But, you know, in 2020, boom, everybody was like, you know what, restaurant can stay, wait, you know, give me the cloud kitchen tech. And, and we were able to give that, right, because we built it before. So, so that, was, that was another one. And I think last, which is not the least, is that uh, uh, that's more philosophical, but also, you know, very, very practical is that no matter whether you're running a tech company or restaurant or, or anything, at the end of the day, you are working with people, you are dealing with people, uh, you know, both sides, people you are serving, people who are serving, you know, you, you know, your partners, your vendors, your employees, your customers, treat them well in the good days, uh, and they're going to take care of you in the bad ones. Um, you know, uh, I think, I think, uh, thankfully for us, uh, we could only survive out of pandemic, because I think we got massive support from you know, not only our employees, which I'm extremely grateful, you know, for. Uh, we got massive support from our customers who were also going through their own deep shit. We got support from our vendors who, you know, some of them were not even from the restaurant space, right? They, they technically did not need to have that empathy. For example, you know, a company who runs travel for our, like who takes care of our travel expenses, right? I mean, that company had nothing to do with this and they were going through their own stuff. But, but the kind of support that we received uh, you know that helped. We started thinking about what's where, why that support came, and I think I will, I will, I will bring it down to this one word: trust. I think, I think everybody trusted us, and uh, and I saw that in the same in, in the restaurant space as well. Uh, restaurants who really came out of it well, they built a trustworthy brand. Uh, their 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 suppliers, their customers, their tenants, uh, 
uh, sorry, not the, not the tenants, the owners of the properties, you know, they, they, they were leasing out. Everybody trusted. Whoever trusted those brands, they got, you know, a better treatment. They got preference, uh, you know, and an entire ecosystem made sure that this restaurant or this company does not go out of business because it's a trustworthy brand and if they remain in the business, you know, they will help. I mean, things will start working again. If we take it on the different directions, okay, we look ahead. I'm a leader of a business. What would your top three advice be? Or maybe it's just one for me as the leader of that business. What do you think leaders should be very aware about building this trustworthy brand as they go forward? Um, you know, one is that uh, don't try to do a lot. Uh, try to do, try to do, you know, stuff in a in a much in a higher quality way, and you cannot you cannot uh, you know operate on high quality if you are spread too thin. So uh, people don't come to you for more; they come to you for good, um, and and they'll be absolutely fine. They'll be absolutely fine if you do less. Just just make sure that you do more. Uh, second is uh, communicate. I think uh, uh, you know. More often than you know, we would expect brands don't communicate, you know, enough on what is it that somebody should expect from them. So when you tell your customer that this is what you should expect from a brand, and they come and they get the same experience, don't worry about whether it was up to their taste or not. They trust you because they said, "Hey, you know what? They already told you, and and they exactly did what they said." Uh, so communicate more often. You know your your brand should be about communication, and communication should be around what you are actually doing, what you're going to do. Uh, that that you know goes good with employees as well. But you know for for a trustworthy brand, that that communication is important. And um, I think those are two fundamentals on you know on top of my head. And I would say consistency. I will I will not really try to preach that because I know it's easier said than done. But I think uh, I think when I say that I mean the intent of consistency. I think it's consistency is difficult for everybody in this world. Like every business owner, every restaurateur, and, and I talked about it at the start. I struggled with it. I had no idea how to do it. But but I think the intent of consistency is actually far more important than anything else because your customer experience is not only your food. Your customer experience is you know, 20 other things, you know, around it. And, you know, and there are 90% things which you actually can build consistency in, right? They, they'll give you the, you know, margin or the cushion to fight with the 10, 10%. Yeah, and I think also um, what I learned early on in, in, in any kind of business is finding that what they, they, in the good to great, one of my favorite books and Jim Collins talks about the flywheel effect, is finding those 20% that really creates the 80% of the experience and create consistency within that. And just focus on that to begin with. And then you can always expand. I'm not saying not going to 50 or 80 or 100%, but that's where you start finding those 20% that really makes a difference for the customer, as you said in the beginning. I don't want a better product. I want the same product. And then just keep on doing that product and just make sure it's executed with excellence every every day, day in and day out. Um, if there is there anything you wish to have asked you uh, that I didn't uh, asked you and what would uh, what would you answer if i've asked you i would say that this is the best time for restaurateurs to uh think expansion and i think i you know i, I would have loved a question whether, whether it's good to be a standalone small restaurant or should you be you know a chain or, or should you be available at more places i think there has never been a better time in history to start thinking about expanding your horizons even if you're a single restauranter or if you are having like three or four restaurants which you you know you, you haven't expanded or you don't know how to create like a hundred store chain but then this is the best time to think about it because it's all digital cloud kitchens are a great way and a model in a hybrid state uh, you know uh, cloud kitchen is not the only solution and so is not only the restaurant uh, you know both of them are are going to go hand in hand and cloud kitchen is going to be an enabler for you but but you know given that a digital platform is giving you distribution and that distribution is coming at a dish level 
you have the best opportunity to get your cohort of audience to come in, discover you, and be loyal to you at literally every part of the country or maybe you know beyond that. I think uh, if I was a restauranter today, I would really think about you know taking my brand global, even while being the small guy, but taking my small brand global because now I have the infrastructure, the digital distribution, and so many other factors helping me that I just need to make sure one thing, that whatever my brand promises as that one dish of cuisine, we do it well. Love that question. Uh, I should have asked you that. That's a really, really good one. Uh, where, where can people find out more about you, Ashish, and uh, Posit and, and the work you do? What's the best place to go? Hey, I'm on LinkedIn uh, by the name of Ashish Tulsian, as shown here. I'm also on Twitter. Uh, I go by the name of A Tulsian. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just to, just to give, give some context, I think we are, we, we are, a, we are a global, you know, restaurant tech operator who does everything from a point of sale solution to the backend inventory control, kitchen management, cloud kitchen operations, CRM, loyalty, marketing, and analytics. Uh, you know, we also are one of the most integrated tech in the world in the sense that we, we right now run some 300 integrations from aggregators to logistics players to to payment players to HR systems to accounting systems for different countries we operate in multiple languages and currencies. So you know our north star is that you know can we help brands go global while having a unified system? Can you operate your restaurant in multiple cities or multiple countries? Uh, you know while having the single window of access and control. And not really lose it, uh, you know, as soon as as soon as the city or the state or the continent changes. Um, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a passionate restaurateur as well, so I'm, I'll be very very happy in case any of what I said uh, makes sense or maybe it contradicts your worldview. Uh, you know, happy to have a chat. Uh, you know, happy to discuss and get your perspective as well. So so give a shout out. Uh, you know, if you if you if you find uh, this relevant. Great, great. I will put uh, the links in the show notes as well so, so people can connect with you out there. Thank you so much for, for taking the time out to come and share your learnings, your experience, uh, especially around digital transformation, where you see the future goes. So I send you and the team power and energy for a, a great 2022. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Likewise. And thanks for the opportunity and a, and a great chat. Thank you. Ashish, thank you so much for your great insights on digital transformation, as well on your entrepreneurial advice on how to navigate uncertainty better. I will recommend you now to ask yourself, what have I done to put the right digital tools in the hands of my people? To get further inspiration on better implementation of digital tools, please tune in to episode number six, Only the Innovative Will Survive, with Joe Crisp co-founder and MD at Trail. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please share, rate, review, or subscribe to one of our channels. A big thank you to BizSimply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies, and tools to help the industry thrive, not just survive. Check them out at bizsimply.com or on their socials at bizsimply or bizsimplyhq. You can also email them directly on advice at bizsimply.com. A big thank you to Fina Charlton, the show producer and editor from the Podcast Collective. Tune in next time for another interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us, subscribe for the newsletter, and more Maverick insights at hospitalitymavericks.com. And don't worry, if you didn't get all of this, there will be links in the show notes. I'm Michael Tingsa, and you've been listening to the Hospitality Mavericks podcast show. Be Maverick! <laughs>